0: And so this morning, I want to talk to you. The name of our conference each year is Kairos. And I want to ask you, the title is a question of the sermon this morning. What time is it? Do you know how to tell time? Do you know what's going on? What time it is? The Bible uses primarily two words that are translated time. One is Kronos, and the other is Kairos. Kronos is tick, tock, tick, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks. Kairos is not tick, tock. Kairos is boom. It's a moment. It's full of life-changing potential. Kronos, we get the word chronology or chronological. Kronos time, tick, tock, it's sequential, linear, It's measurable time. Like I said, it's seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. And it's marked by clocks and calendars and watches. Kronos, it seems like the older you get, the faster it moves. Can I get a witness? And Father Time, you know, not all time is created equally. Even TikTok moments. Moments. How many of you know an hour at the beach passes faster than an hour waiting in line at the Department of Motor Vehicles? (laughs) And it ain't even close. And Father, you may think seconds don't matter until you pile them all up, and Father time is undefeated. The, The hair turns gray, the wrinkles come, and you get older. Kronos matters. But kairos, there's something about kairos. Kairos is, it's the right season or opportunity for something significant or impactful to happen. Last year in prayer, I gave this definition for our conference. Kairos, in our byline was, not all moments are created equal. In the Bible, these two terms for one word time in English are very different. Kronos is quantity. Kairos is quality. Kronos is about, listen to me, the present that was the future and is the past before you know it. Kairos is about the now, especially the right now, when something significant is possible. It's an opportunity. A door opens for a life-changing moment. Most of us here, all of us here, our testimony is the story about what we did or didn't do in our moments of opportunity, decisions that were made, how we handled are mishandled those moments that were not like all the other moments. Whew. Time is important. Knowing how to tell the time. Everybody listen. In the first service this happened and I'm feeling it right now. You know, God anoint us to receive his word. Anoint us to embrace this week, these next four days. There's something significant happening. Something very positive is possible for you. Help us embrace it, Lord, and to know what time it is. I'm not trying to wax poetic or be creative. Do you know what's going on around you? Do you know what time it is spiritually? Even in our world, 2024, it's not a Kronos year. We all know it. Spending three days in D.C. this past week, my heart, as beautiful as that city is, I graduated from high school 45 minutes. It's different in 2024 than it was in 1984. This is a kairos year, and churches need to pay attention. And you got a pastor that's awake, not woke, but awake. And that's why we have especially called together a time for the Lord. We've set this time aside. My text this morning is two simple verses, one and a half verses, actually. Ephesians 5, Paul said, be very careful then how you live. I just, I hear the heart of the Father just saying, be careful. Be careful how you live, how you walk. Paul says in the NIV, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. And that word opportunity is kairos. Make, embracing those. Special, make the most of them. The New King James says it like this, the same verse and a half. See then that you walk or live circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, the kairos. To walk circumspectly means to look around, not just to look, but to look around. Keep your head on a swivel. Careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. He says, keep your head on the swivel, pay attention to what's going on, not just where you're going, but what's happening around you so that you can redeem the time. 2024 has the potential to be a redemptive year. So I say, pay attention, pay careful attention to what time it is. You must know how to tell Spiritual time. Do you remember? We have to explain to our children and grandchildren. There was a time where Siri wouldn't tell you what time it was. And there weren't numbers. There were only wall clocks. I was around when digital clocks came out. But it was second or third grade that we were taught how to tell time. And they, they had that little thing. And they'd move the long hand, and second hand. And um, I remember... Having a revelation. I thought a quarter after three meant that it was 325. Anybody else have that problem? I thought a quarter's 25 cents, so a quarter of an hour is 25 minutes. I remember sitting there, and it dawned on me. Oh, it's one-fourth of an hour. I wonder, can you tell time? Spiritually. Can you imagine? Do you know that there's a tribe in Arizona that in their language there is no past tense or future tense. There's languages around the world that only live in the now. And on one hand that's beautiful but on another boy you're so limited. Can you tell what time it is. Because we see in the Bible that time is important. Galatians 4 says it's important to God. I mean, there from Genesis to Revelation, y'all you, you, you know how you, you get something in your spirit. Man, I, I had to trim away hours of preaching just to be able to bring this message to you. God is, he, he knows what time it is. And he tells his people in this book what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, so that they know what time it is. Galatians 4, Paul said, when the fullness of time had come, kairos, God sent forth Jesus. Esther chapter 4, one of the most familiar verses about time. Verse... 14, Mordecai says to her, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews, it'll come, it'll arise from another place, but you and your family will perish. If you are silent when you know you should speak, if you're silent in this time, God will raise somebody else up to say what he once said. But it'll cost you and your family. And then Mordecai said, and who knows? And I say to you right now, who knows? But that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said to the crowd, when you see a a cloud rising in the west, you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And you see the wind blowing from the south and you say it's going to be hot. And it is. And then he says, out of nowhere, he says, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. But how is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Jesus A hypocrite is someone who knows how to predict what the Dow's gonna do, who to bet on and how much in the national championship and the Super Bowl, people who know how to predict what's coming politically and economically, but they don't know what God is doing in the present moment. God wants us to know in Luke 19, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, the Bible says, he wept over it. And he said, calamity is coming. This place will be destroyed because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Do you know what that tells me? If you do recognize the time God comes to you, you won't be destroyed. I believe that there is a wake-up call going to the church across the nation. If we could embrace the fact that this is our time, God is appointing, and he would say, today, right now, this Kairos, if you hear my voice, don't don't harden your hearts. Anybody feeling what I'm feeling right now? May we not be hypocrites. May we know what time it is spiritually. May we know who to listen to. May we know how to interpret what's being, may we know what the, how many times did Jesus say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. The ability to tell time. It is so important. To know what's happening around you what is going on so that you don't miss your moments in the late 90s um, blockbuster was blockbuster (laughs) any to you kids up there do you know there was a day when you wanted to see a movie you got in your car took 20 bucks and drove to a place to watch the movie. Anybody remember? And we, we were tough back then. And then there came a day that you didn't have to go to the movie. You could um, go to a place and you didn't have to buy the movie. You could rent a video home system, VHS. And you could take up, pick up one of these, and you grab one end, and your wife or girlfriend would grab the other, and you take it to your car. And when you got home, you could watch it in one of these, and it would play right there on your TV. Your big stereo system, which used to be the biggest piece of furniture in the whole living room, remember? <laughs> Blockbuster was killing it. They bought up all the little independent mom-and-pop video rental stores. Then they bought them up across the nation. And in 2004, they peaked 9,000 stores around the world. Blockbuster had one of the biggest college bowl, the Blockbuster Orange Bowl. And then there was a man named Reed Hastings in Dallas, Texas. The problem with renting a video from Blockbuster was you had a day that you were supposed to turn it back in. And if you were late, it cost you a dollar every day. Anybody remember? And then you're like, doggone, I should have just bought the movie. Reed Hastings went in one time and realized it was 40 days past due. Reed Hastings recognized there's an opportunity. He said, I want to create something that makes it more convenient where we don't charge for late fees. And he came up with Netflix. His mother gave him $25,000 to start it. In 2000, there's a lot to this story. The year 2000, Reed Hastings sat with the CEO and the board of Blockbuster and presented to them why they should buy his company for $50 million. And they couldn't see what was coming. And they laughed him out of the room, he says. And on Friday, Netflix closed at $492.95 per share. A market capital of $211 billion. I wonder if, what's his name? Um, David Cook, the CEO for Blockbuster, prayed about that decision. (laughs) I wonder if any of the board was walking and doing business, business circumspectly. Or were they all 65 years old and closer to retirement? They couldn't see what their children and grandchildren were already doing. And they said no. Tragic. My son, my oldest son, has a knack for picking stocks. Way too early. How many of you know that's a gift? That's not a problem. He told us in the early 2000s we should buy some Under Armour. I was like, they don't even have a good logo. That, that's Nike's the king of the hill. I remember sitting with my, my brother-in-law. He was all into Apple. And it had gone from what? A close and at the end of 2008... It had lost 57% of its share for the year. And you could buy Apple at $2.58 a share. And I said, it ain't coming back. <laughs> the next year was about 25 bucks, And I thought, it's gone up so far, it ain't going to go up. You know, and now it's split like eight times. And that... single share of stock is worth about $2,500, literally. Isn't that sad? You know what's sadder? The number of people who spiritually, time and again, have missed their moment. Why is that? Romans chapter 13 gives us an idea. Paul says, do this. Understanding the present time. Everybody say time. Say kairos time. Understanding the present time. Paul said, do this. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night... Those TikTok moments of ho hum watching the clock, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness, the things that you do just marking time. You think it doesn't matter. And let's put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and in jealousy. It's amazing to me the places in the Bible. Everybody hear me. It's a whole nother sermon, the places where God talks about kairos, moments that can change your life. And in the same verse or a verse right next to him saying, pay attention, he says, Stay sober. Don't be drunk. Even in our text in Ephesians 5, he says, be very careful then how you live. Three verses later, he says, don't get drunk on wine where is it is in excess, but be filled with my spirit. I think you need a whole, a high measure of Holy Spirit to know what time it is. Any spirit-filled believers in this room know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's a whole nother sermon. I'm tempted to go down that 20-minute rabbit trail, but turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus, 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 help him, Lord. Um, But so many people, are they need to sober up. We're drunk on whatever. And so we live in a chronos spell thinking it's all, it ain't going to change. Don't get your hopes up. There's no special moments come for me. And you know what that breeds? That breeds a passive spirit. A spirit that says, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. If he wants to heal my body, he'll heal my body. And we sit thinking that we have nothing to do with what God wants to do in our lives because we are not sober, we don't know what time it is, and we've gone to sleep, spiritually speaking. But we need to wake up. The woman that, that had the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 who said, I've seen all the doctors. I've Googled it, medicalfreedom.com. I've called every friend. Nobody knows what's happening to me. I've bled nonstop for 12 years. Tick, tock, tick, tock. And then she hears Jesus is in the neighborhood. And she says, I got to touch him. And he was on his way to heal the man's daughter. And the Bible said there was a huge crowd around him. And something came over her, and she said, this is my moment. He's going to go to somebody else's moment, but I've got one moment. And she said, excuse me, pardon me, get out of my, I don't care, excuse me, you don't need to know my name, get, excuse, I, excuse, shut up and get out of my, I got to touch Jesus. She didn't say that, but she had that determination, she might have. But she had a dogged determination that her moment was not going to pass her by. She said, all I got to do, I don't have to talk with him. I don't need him to counsel me. I don't need him to tell me a parable. I just need one second to touch him. If I can touch him, he will touch my body. Blind Bartimaeus had that same spirit come over him. When you lose your ability to see, I'm told, all the other four senses become way more keen. He couldn't see, but man could he hear. And he heard whisperings and... Jesus. And what did he... What he couldn't see... With his eyes he could see with his spirit what he could see with his spirit all the others couldn't see with their eyes and so he said jesus son of david in other words he goes i know i can't see but the messiah is here and you know they tried to, jesus hush it's embarrassing quit you're making a fool of yourself the Bible says that the disciples tried to calm him down. He yelled all the more loudly. He said, and what happened? Jesus, he got his attention, turned around. You know, there, there needs to come. You, I, I'm not preaching to preach right now. I'm, pre- I'm communicating for him to create something. We need a hunger. We need a... Excuse me, pardon me, get out. I don't care what the rules are. I've got to touch Jesus. We need that to come over us that God would sober us, wake us up and realize he is always ready to give you a kairos moment if you'll push through the crowd. If you're going to praise the Lord, praise the Lord with all your heart. We thank you, Lord. You see awareness of your need. And faith in his power and love will make you active, not passive. Those three things, awareness of your need, faith in his power, hear me, and trust that he loves you. Do you realize how special you are? Everybody look at me. I was with a bunch of pastors this past week and one of them said about the others, he has the ability To make you feel like a million bucks. You ever, you know somebody like that? You're like all, they never want to talk about, they're so generous. They don't want to talk about them, their world, their family, their church. They have that genuine interest to make you feel special. You're the value, this is your time. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought, God is like that. He has a way of, making you feel, if I could be so cur- like a million bucks. Like, he loves me. Do you all realize, Romans, trust in his love. Trust in, put your faith in him. He can do it. It will move you out of passivity into activity. Romans 8, he says, he's for you. No one else can be against you. Zachariah 2, you're the apple of his eye. He loves looking at you. Zephaniah 3, he takes great delight in you. Right now, he's singing songs of deliverance and joy over you. Jeremiah 29, his plan is not to harm you. It's to give you a future and a hope. Matthew 6, 30, the message says, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which no one will ever see, Don't you think he will attend to you, take pride in you, and give his best for you? You're special. God is in your corner. There's something blocking you from stepping out and moving out of passivity, and we're going to deal with that. Luke 11, if you, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's in your corner. All right, so let's drill down as we come into a closing. A friend of mine, a pastor from up in Tennessee, sent me a meme last night. He's up in the mountains of Tennessee outside of Pigeon Forge, and he said he sent out a message that he was going to preach a short sermon this morning because it was cold outside. And so he sent me a meme that said, Pastor, colon, I'm preaching a very short sermon tomorrow morning because it's brief. And below it, it had one of those fact checkers. This is fake news. It's not a reliable source. I'm going to close early today. How many of you have more faith that God's bringing you a Kairos moment than he's making this sermon brief? Oh, ye of little faith, get thee behind me, Satan. So there is a Kairos moment that if you are passive, indifferent, not sober, you will miss. And God comes to awaken you. And you go, Pastor Chuck, but how can you call a conference Kairos? You don't know if it's a special moment. Oh, I I encourage you to read the Bible. The Bible, God, every from Genesis to Rep, this is another thing. God is interactive. You ever play chess with some or checkers? And you're sitting there, you go, man, it's 10 or 15 minutes since anybody, and you go, are you gonna go? It's your move. And they go, no, it's not. I moved. It's your move. And you go, really? Yeah, and, and they go, I've been waiting on you. And you go, you moved, yeah. Where'd you move? And they go, well, I'm not going to tell you because you weren't paying attention. It's your move. And then you got to go, did they even move, or is it? Because you weren't, you weren't. Let me tell you, that's the picture of most. God's sitting there going, when you move, God God doesn't have to think about. Hmm, what should? You move, he goes, boop. Eight minutes later. Two minutes later, bloop, 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 bloop. Can you king me? This is how, y'all out there? God, interactive. So think about this. Can you do a Kairos conference? Yeah. Because the Bible says, God says, my eyes are searching the whole earth trying to find Someone whose heart is steadfast and loyal so that I can show off or I can show myself strong on their behalf is what it says. Are y'all like, God says, I I sought for a man that could stand in the game. He says in Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door knocking, what door? To the church. Going, if anybody would open the door, I'll come in. And, and so, God, right now, Kairos moments are there for those who will search Him with all of your heart. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Some of you, oh, Jesus, help me stay out of trouble in this short sermon. I love you, but if you approach this week like eh, four nights, it's cold. That is so typical, Western, passive, you make me sick, lukewarm. More importantly, you make Jesus sick. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He'd rather you be cold and irreligious and a hellion than to be lukewarm, and all your neighbors see you go to church every Sunday, but you have no power. I'm challenging you. You know, somebody I I, I sell hard because I believe in what we're doing. Um, is my this is I got this text Thursday or Friday, and I asked them if I could share this with you. Let me pull it up. It was a man who's heard me the last few weeks say, if you have plans, cancel them. Clear your calendar. So he sent me this Thursday night late. Last October, my wife and I reserved a hard-to-find January condo on the Gulf for two weeks beginning this Sunday. First of all, I don't feel sorry for you one bit if you got two weeks on the con. But God will help me get over that. Yesterday, I called in the remote chance we could change dates and check in Thursday after Kairos. We were declined initially, but then my assistant called and said she was on the phone with the property manager for over an hour, and they were able to make it work, but only by giving us an upgrade. (laughs) You're welcome, by the way. Bonus, weather forecast along the Gulf is rain or overcast this Sunday through Wednesday during Kairos, and in the 70s starting Thursday. <laughs> Amazing. So thankful, and, here, and in anticipation of a mighty working of the Holy Spirit through Kairos. Thanks for praying that people would change their plans. Come on, somebody. Even God wants you not at the beach. The weather's gonna be terrible all over the world, except in Alpharetta, because God has prepared a way. Are y'all out there? Now, I'm telling you, the reason, why why doesn't God send revival to the American church? Because the American church is too busy They don't have time. We have cleared the schedule. Pastor Arville and the team, he told me last night when we were chatting, I came in from out of town, or yesterday at prayer, it's a lot, the planning. You know, today when you leave, you ought to just love on the parking crew out there in this cold weather. There's greeters, ushers, People praying, Bruce Roberts will be leading prayer every night. And you think we're going to show up with all of that spiritual preparation and God not do something great? Uh-uh. You better get ready, get excited, anticipate, get your kids here because they're going to, we're going to see things this week that we will never forget in the name of Jesus. Turn and tell somebody, seriously, turn and tell somebody, I'm ready. Turn and tell somebody, I know what time it is. Are y'all out there? Do you mean it? Some of y'all are going, I know what time it is. If You got nine more minutes, and this, if not, this ain't going to be a short sermon. You're more concerned about that than what time it is. So, in prayer last week, I didn't get this from sermons.com or a book or any other pastor. I was just praying and thinking about how we start the year and give the Lord first things first. And um, the Lord said, tell them these five things. Everybody in here, please listen. If you're in a stronghold, a season of, you need breakthrough. The tick-tock, tick-tock, passivity has nearly numbed you to death. And you're going, God, where are you? The Lord told me to tell you. There's one of five things, at least one, that if you will say one of these five things, there's not a person in here that won't enter into a significant spiritual opportunity. Are you ready? The five things. The first one is, somebody in here needs to say, I repent. If you'll just say it, don't pray for a financial breakthrough, just repent of not honoring the Lord. He says, I dare you, test me. I'll open the windows of heaven and bless you. Repent. Get somebody to be accountable with you on your cell phone. Do covenant eyes with a, with your wife. Just repent. I can't get off it. Metanoia needs to come. A change in your mind and repentance is isn't. You're going this way and you say, Lord, I repent. I'm never going to do that again. And you keep doing the same thing. Nor is it, Lord, I repent. I'm so sorry. I'm, n- I'm never going to do that again repentance is Lord I repent I repent I repent I repent I repent and I'm and if you'll do that your kairos is coming. the second group of people somebody in here you just need to say I'm sorry I want everybody to practice this this is two of the hardest English words Mine comes faster than I'm sorry. You don't even have to teach a toddler how to say mine. But you got to beat the life out of them to get them to say I'm sorry. Some of you men, it's been years. You're, you don't even know if you can form your mouth and tongue the right way to say it. Uh, I'm sorry. But I want us all to practice. Say I'm sorry on three. One, two, three. Now turn and tell somebody next to you, you're sorry. Just, you want to practice that. Just, I agree with you. Now so turn and tell somebody next to you, just practice it. Look them in and out. tell them, I'm sorry. Hey, everybody look here. You think, Pastor Chuck, that's so simplistic. What did the prodigal son say? He said, there's a reason the pig slop looks I would have never considered that, but I'm so, I'm going home. And on his way home, Jesus said he practiced his, I'm sorry. And he, first thing he said, I'm sorry to his father. And he said this, I mean it. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. And it was, it was in that humility and that brokenness that the father ran after him put a robe, a ring, shoes, killed the fatted calf. If you'll just say I'm sorry to the right person that the Lord's telling you to say it not only will Kairos come for you, it'll come for them too. Are y'all out there? The third thing somebody needs to say is, forgive me. Or you need to ask, will you forgive me? The Bible teaches us Even the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, pray, Father, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who've sinned. Even it built into the Lord's Prayer. May I be forgiven, Father, by you with the same quality and completeness that I forgive others. Somebody just needs to say, forgive me. Just say that out loud. Come on. These are sweet words the devil hates to hear. Just say, forgive me. David prayed it, said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me and forgive me. The fourth thing somebody needs to say, the fourth category is, I forgive you. I forgive you. Don't let somebody live rent-free in your head anymore. Let them go. They're living in a house that you're paying rent on. Forgive them. Colossians 3 says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You must also forgive. Ephesians 4, Candace says, Motto verse for our kids growing up. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And the last one, the fifth category, is some of you need to say, I'm moving forward. Whew. You know how many times I've had to tell myself, don't get distracted, quit looking to the right. until the... There's a reason why that rearview mirror is real tiny and that big old windshield is huge. So you'll stop looking back. Somebody needs to declare it. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and I start forcing myself straight, we're moving ahead. Somebody needs to just say it, come on, say it. I'm moving forward in the name of Jesus. Now Holy Spirit, we respond to your word, every person in this room. Either I repent, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I forgive you. Some just need to say I'm, I'm tired of being stuck in this tick-tock numbness. I awaken, I'm moving forward. Now I want you to stand in just a second, but I want you to just respond. If you're here today and one of those things Brothers and sisters, Kairos is about to break out in your life. Some of you are getting ready. Pastor Arvo led us. I love that that bridge about the chains are falling and the strong, they're left in the empty tomb where Jesus isn't there anymore. If you can say one of these things, God's gonna break the door open for you. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit's saying, You need to repent of something. I just want you to stand where you are. And just say, I repent. Just stand if the Lord's calling you. Praise you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. It's a big step. Repentance brings freedom. Second, if you're here today and you're saying, I need to tell somebody I'm sorry and I mean it. I want you to stand. Come on, stand in the name of Jesus. If you're here... And there's somebody the Lord's bringing to your mind that you need to tell them, I am sorry. Stand. Praise you, Lord. Kairos is coming when you do that. Thirdly, if you're here and you go, I need to ask someone to forgive me, stand right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do not stay seated if you need to make something right. Jesus said, if you come to bring your offering and you remember somebody holds an audit, go make it right, then come back. Fourthly, if you're here and you say I need to forgive someone, stand right now in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, just fall on us that we would have the courage to release and forgive. And I just there's a boatload of people. Some of you are going Pastor Chuck, I need to sit down cuz I want to stand up for that one too. Anybody here says I need to say out loud. I'm moving forward. It's been hard. I've been stuck. i got a reason to stay here, but I'm not going to anymore. I'm moving forward. Just stand right now. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. Lift your hands. Now let me ask those of you who are seated, just stand with us. All over the room, could we stand right now? In the name of Jesus. Tell the Lord, I need you to fill me up with your spirit. Help me say this, do this, and let the heavens open up. Come on, just stake your claim. Get like the woman with the issue of blood. Excuse me, pardon me, I got to touch Jesus. This is my time. This is my opportunity in the name of Jesus. There's some of you young people right now, and this is a week that God's going to mark your life. We have prayed for it to be a week of encounters. We have prayed that from the main floor front row to the top of every section in the balcony, We have declared this whole sanctuary is going to be an altar this week because we're all going to move in and claim our opportunity. Come on, somebody. We praise you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you have done, what you want to do, for the dreams, the revelations, the visions for this season. We do a lot of things throughout the calendar year, but this is a week of us calling a sacred, a solemn assembly. We bring our children, our families, clear our calendars to meet with you. And we know your word promises you're going to meet with us. You are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. Your eyes right now, you're looking all over America for a church that you can use. Churches that you can raise up for such a time as this. You are seeking a church that will stand in the gap, that you can inhabit and visit. And we thank you, Lord, that this is going to be a week of encounter. How many of you declare that and you agree? We come into agreement. A week of encounter. A whole sanctuary that is the altar for God to alter our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen? So, before I let you go, tonight at 6 o'clock, in Jesus' name, get here early. We're going to have people sitting in the seats in the lobby. But you need to get here so you can have a good seat. How many of you know your kairos, your opportune time is better when you got a cushioned seat to sit on? And so may the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Say it out loud. I receive it. In Jesus' name. Have a good afternoon.